So when I am at my best in, in, in spiritually being prepared and in my morning time, usually my alarm will go off at 5 a.m. and I, I get right up. Okay, that, that's a lie. Yeah. I usually hit the snooze button a couple times. Okay, that's another lie. I hit the snooze button probably five or six times, and then I struggled to get up. Now, in fairness to me, I inherited this from my wife, because I did used to get right up 25 years ago. So when I do finally struggle to get up, I, I head to the kitchen and, and get my coffee, and I, and I head to my morning chair. And, and it was this particular day, it was about a year ago, when we lived in Fort Myers, I went out to my chair in the front room, and I discovered our daughter, Kara Grace, on the couch in the space where my usual prayer chair is located. Ironically, I hadn't, I hadn't really looked at this sermon this, morning, this afternoon, but ironically, Kara was here today because her sister was sick and Kara was being quarantined in their bedroom. Ironically, Kara today has strep throat and now Hannah is being quarantined a year later. So I, uh, I headed out to the patio um, we had a beautiful patio in Fort Myers and a great pool. So those of you guys on SPRC, trustees, I love you all, but I miss our pool and our lanai. Because we would go and sit, and this particular day I, I turned my chair toward our bird feeders and um, watched the birds. And I would begin my morning ritual of, of scripture reflection and prayer. And then I heard a rooster crowing. Now, mind you, we did not live in the country in Fort Myers. It was a suburban neighborhood, probably less in the country than we are here. And uh, I heard this rooster crowing. And that rooster got me thinking about Peter. Peter, that, that brash, outspoken disciple of Jesus. Peter, that, that one who so ba badly wanted to stand by Jesus and so boldly tried to stand by Jesus and said, even in death, I'll stand behind you. Peter, that, that one who just struck Malchus, the servant, and cut off his ear just verses before. Peter, who, who now heard the crow of the rooster as Jesus said he would. Can you imagine, can you imagine what Peter must have felt like when he heard that rooster? You remember that part of the story, Greg just, just read it, Jesus is arrested and it says that Peter followed from a distance. He didn't want to get too far. He didn't want to get too close. Peter followed from a distance. 
And then Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. And then this happens. At that very moment, the rooster crowed a second time. Peter remembered what Jesus told him before a rooster crows twice. You will deny me three times. And he broke down sobbing. Peter must have been utterly, utterly devastated. Jesus looked right, right at him. Their eyes locked. And Peter then remembered. And then he went out and he, and he cried uncontrollably. But friends, Peter isn't the only one to, to deny Jesus. If we look back through the Gospels where Jesus is predicting his death and Jesus is predicting Peter's denial, we can look to Mark 14, 31, which we just read in our reading plan. It says, but Peter insisted, if I must die alongside you, I won't deny you. And then the very next sentence says, and they all said the same thing. All of the disciples affirmed that they would die right alongside Jesus. But you know, I think Peter gets a, a, gets a bad rap as the one who denied Jesus. But all of the dis disciples deserted him, and all of them ultimately denied him as well. You know that rooster I heard that morning on my patio? I'm not sure how far away he was. If I could hear a, a rooster in Fort Myers' suburban neighborhood, I'll tell you, Peter was not the only disciple to hear the crow of a rooster that night. The old city of Jerusalem is not a very large place physically. And in the quiet and in the dark of the night the other disciples would have heard this rooster as well. And I bet those disciples too remembered the words of Jesus and were crushed as well. But friends, the disciples aren't the only ones to deny Jesus either. We have all denied Jesus in some way. Maybe like Peter, maybe like Peter, we're following Jesus from a distance. We're keeping our distance. We're, we're afraid to get too close because of what others might say or do or, or because of what Jesus might ask us to do. We're filled with fear and perhaps anxiety and, and doubt Or maybe like Mary Magdalene or others before they were healed, we don't feel worthy. We don't feel worthy to be with Jesus. We feel worthless and insignificant and useless. We feel like our past and our present is just too awful, just too bad, and Jesus certainly doesn't want or need any of us. 
Or maybe we're like the Jewish leaders. We feel we, we don't need Jesus because we've got it all together. We know how this is supposed to happen. But we're all filled with pride and, and arrogance and self-reliance. We can do this thing called life by ourselves. We don't need Jesus. So how else might you be denying Jesus? How might I be denying Jesus? Where is the rooster crowing in your life? What denial? What denial is causing you to cry uncontrollably when Jesus stares into your heart? It's inside all of us. We have all denied Christ, and, and we will most likely deny Him again at some point in the future. But there's good news. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 6, while we were still weak at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might die for a good person. But God shows his love for us. Did you hear that? But God shows his love for us. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. If we were reconciled to God through the death of his son while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from by his life? And not only that, and not only that, we take pride in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom we now have a restored relationship with God. And toward the end of John's gospel in, in the 16th chapter, 33rd verse, Jesus says, be encouraged. Be encouraged. I have conquered the world. Be encouraged. Jesus has overcome the world and he died for us all. He died for Peter who denied him, the disciples who deserted him, and even Judas who betrayed him. He died for those filled with fear, anxiety, and doubts. He died for those who feel worthless, insignificant, and useless. He died for the prideful, for the arrogant, and the self-reliant. And he died, yes, he died for you and for me. Be encouraged. Jesus has overcome the world and he died for us all. So friends, 
you can be assured that no matter what, no matter what your past or your present look like, Jesus died for you. Christ's death has reconciled you to God and restored your relationship with God. Rest in this assurance. Remember this assurance and celebrate this assurance. This is the good of Good Friday. Be encouraged. Jesus died for you and for us all. Unlike Peter and and the other disciples, we know more of the story which is yet to come. But we still wait. We still wait during these holy days as the disciples did so many years ago. We wait in sadness. We wait in despair, disillusioned, confused, afraid, and and perhaps anxious. We wait as they did. But we know Sunday is coming. So friends, be encouraged. Jesus has overcome the world and he died for us all. And Sunday's coming. Amen and amen.